0: It was like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts: Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers, Pure Athlete, Yeah, a transcend race hombre. Matt Butler,
1: I don't talk, man. I back it up, and we are
0: sock full of that. man. I'm right. And Jeff Howe,
1: it's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom
2: line. because stone, cold sets so. up.
1: If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all.
2: Well, the open date is over, and you know nobody's ever lost a game, no matter how good you are or how bad you are, when idle is the opponent for that week. But lo and behold, Texas moves up. Texas moves up a spot in the AP poll, a spot in the coaches' poll, still in sole possession of first place in the Big 12 as we kick off the second half of the season. Now, you might be saying, well, Jeff, the regular season is 12 games, so shouldn't the six-game mark be the halfway point? Well, if you're thinking about it, you're through seven games. If you get the Big 12 Championship Game and a Bowl Game, I'm going to be optimistic and say seven's the halfway point. So boom, you're set up That's perfectly true. for the second half of the season after the bye week. I want Texas down fans. Down. Texas fans should be enjoying this. Like I've seen way too many posts hmm. on social media and on our message board at Horns 24/7 with fans like, "Oh, we just just focus on. Don't start talking about the CFP. Don't start talking about the Big 12 title picture. Just focus on Oklahoma State. Well, the team can do that, but as a fan. You suffered through a loss in Lawrence, Kansas. You suffered through 24 nothing in Ames. You okay. suffered through a 50 to 7 loss to TCU that should have been 100 to 7 if TCU wanted it to be that bad. You suffered through a lot of crap yep. during this decade. Enjoy the fact that you're in the top 10 and you're 6 and 1 and you're going to Stillwater in a primetime game on ABC. Right where you wanted to be, right in the thick of the Big 12 title picture.
3: Uh, I'm going to beg to disagree with you. I'm going to say this is Texas fans. When I was playing, yeah. we won 11 games, and they were still pissed and upset. No,
4: it's just So I'm going to say too, this then... is the
3: Texas fans that I know. I don't think these are <laughs> the Texas fans. No, 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 This is the truth. These yeah. are the Texas fans. No. We won 11 games, bro, and we were disappointing. No, I that. was that. a disappointment. Yeah. Two years in a row, that was a disappointment to Longhorn fans because we didn't win either the Big 12 title or we didn't win the national title. Because that's where the expectations should be. So you know what? I'm not getting on Longhorn fans because this is the Longhorn fans that I know and recognize from years past. These are the Longhorn fans that uh, have made this the most expansive and the largest and arguably the most loyal fan base in the country. In terms of purchasing purchasing merchandise and representing their Longhorn fan base, so I ha- I was in San Francisco this past weekend. I passed like four or five Longhorn fans who randomly were awesome. wearing burnt orange and and just or just gave me the hook because I was wearing a hat. Just I believe i was. The same hat, nice. mean, right now, man, you know and I mean? that's a
4: camouflage longhorn. Exactly.
3: Hat. So th- that's the point. These longhorn fans, yes, they are spoiled, but they are used to a certain standard, and Texas is not even meeting that standard right now. And we're still are probably about on our track to win double digit games or competing the Big Twelve title. But that's Texas football. If yeah. it's either national mm-hmm. title, Big Twelve title, or bust. So actually. Reminds me of the fans of old. I don't know. And you're never gonna have all the fans
4: <laughs> agree or disagree. I just like that it's more That at least you have some hope, even if you have something to be upset about. That eh, look at it this way: hey. you screwed up. You thought the season was going to crap, and you're already in the top six. in the first half of the year's over. So yep. take it however you want to win. I think that's more of an indication of the person. Some people are happy. Some people are liking to criticize, and that's just maybe comes down to the personality. I think it's, a good sign. it's
2: been a while since the fan base has been in this position. Uh, I don't think we've ever been in this position since we've been doing this show. This no. is Longhorn Blitz yeah, with Horns sure. 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. He is the master of the soundboard, Matt Butler. He is lifetime Longhorn. Rod Babers, our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. No time for the introductions. we got a lot of stuff to get to. And Rod, I think we're talking about two different things, though. I think you're talking about, yes, I, I, I agree with you. That does exist. I'm talking more of I'm sensing a uh, Almost a nervousness, almost a, like like, how people treat
4: a pitcher during a no-hitter, like, just don't talk about it, don't mention anything, <laughs> don't pay attention to just it. Just from me seeing some interactions on just turning onto Twitter and all CBs always tweeting or talking Longhorn stuff, and he was reiterating to make sure Longhorn fans out there knew that there are upset Longhorn fans from the Baylor game, and it's like, well, if you're upset, it's like you survived it and you're six, if you're happy about it, you're happy about it, move on. I yeah. just think Texas
2: fans should right now take the opportunity Look, just puff your chest out a little bit and just enjoy this. Just kind of soak in it. It's been a long time, Rod, since this fan base has had the opportunity to say, you know what, we're not a bad football team. We're actually – Pretty good. And and that's kind of where I wanted to start the conversation today. We didn't normally during the bye week, we get to watch a lot of football related to who Texas is going to play, but it seemed like damn near the entire Big 12 was off this weekend. It Texas was. fans couldn't even watch, even couldn't even watch the Aggies play mm-hmm. and Meyer in the misery of an A&M loss if you wanted to, because AM had their bye week yeah. this week. So and the two games, I don't think it really told us anything. Oklahoma-TCU, TCU's clearly got their issues and in, in the wake of that game. Sean Robinson's done for the year with a shoulder a shoulder mm-hmm. injury. Kevontae Turpin has legal issues. issues, to yeah. say the absolute least. I don't know if he'll ever play another down at TCU given yeah. that situation. So the Frogs have a lot of issues, and newsflash, Oklahoma's offense is really freaking good. So we didn't learn anything from there. And then Kansas and Texas Tech, I don't know if that was – Kansas is that bad Especially in the red zone Or Texas Tech's defense Is that much better Maybe it's a little bit of both I don't know But Rod, We didn't both. learn
4: Really anything in this league I think it's both
2: For the two games <laughs> this weekend yeah, yeah
4: I think it's both think te- A&M or, uh, Not a Tech A&M thing. Exactly Tech Like going into the opening weekend A lot of people thought That a uh, game against Ole Miss Was going to be Like more of a defensive battle And Tech's defense That was like the only time That they really hicked up And after that They've been great Well the U of H yeah. game Was a shootout Yeah Yeah
2: U of H Was so some points yeah. upon on Yeah but H- Houston's
4: putting up points on everybody. Yeah. So. Well,
2: I,
3: and I said I'm gonna say that's that's Kendall Bryles. We know that That's SDR mm-hmm. that bryles system. We know they can put. Up if, the you're at, if you're
2: looking, if you're looking big picture kind of group of five teams, somebody that could sneak into that playoff picture, U of H South Florida's this weekend. <laughs> so we'll see if we'll mm. see if uh, it's it's the veer and shoot versus the veer and shoot, but it is the Kendall Bryles yeah. version, which is the more pure. Pure old Art Briles version of the offense against Sterling Gilberts, which is still kind of uh it's the
4: same system. Charlie but.
3: Strong has had some success versus those veer and shoot offenses, yes, though. Well, is. at least he did here at Texas. And
4: look at it. I was gonna say that uh before you even brought up Charlie Strong in South Florida, I was like, this sort of reminds me of one of those like 07 years, and it's sort of good that Texas can be a really good team in a down da- or have a really good record in a down college football year, because it's really not up to you if you're in a season like 2005 when arguably two of the best teams of all time are facing off at the top of the sport yeah. everybody knows there's alabama but it just seems as if there are a lot of teams that were thought to already be out lost early already up in the top you know looking at michigan and texas and one of those years where you may see some more teams drop and we may have this recycling of teams up at the top area so it's a good time to be good in a down year maybe for college football especially when you to back your way into a playoff
3: good year for the boo bloods notre dame michigan texas yeah back in the mix. Yeah,
4: and
2: and Matt, your point kind of takes me back to where I wanted to go and guys when we start looking at the Big 12 title picture it, it look whether fans want to talk about it or not we have to talk about it because we're about to be in the month of November and Texas is right in the thick of this thing with no conference losses six game winning streak going into this weekend's game against Oklahoma State which we will talk about on this show but Rod there's a couple of things to point out number one is Texas flawed does Texas have issues yes you can look at this team particularly on offense and even on defense and we talked about some of those last week that yeah you can see where an opponent can look at things Texas does or doesn't do well okay we can attack that here well we might not be able to get them here but we take advantage of this year. But when you look at everybody else in the league, everybody, there's no great team in the Big 12 this year. Everybody's got their issues. West Virginia had their issues exploited uh, against Iowa State. Oklahoma had their defensive issues exploited against Texas. And we've already seen teams like TCU's falling off. They're out of the conference title picture. Oklahoma State is teetering on the brink of being out of the picture. So you've really got an established pecking order in the Big 12 right now. And Texas is right in the thick of this thing right where if you're a Texas fan going into the season, this is where exactly you wanted to be right now is having a shot at the Big 12 title going into this last stretch of five games.
3: Yeah, I don't see a team that worries me the most down the stretch. Thank God Texas has them at home. is Iowa State. It's kind of trendy. Mm-hmm. They got the defense right now that's perfectly acclimated to the Big 12, kind of like a Todd Orlando defense. And they also, and I like what Gibbs is doing at Texas Tech too. Yep. Um, I think there are a couple of guys in the Big 12 that are kind of try, they're trying to figure out this these air raid evolutions, and they're doing a really good job of it. But also because they have Purdy, Brock Purdy is his name, is yes. it Brock Purdy, uh, Brock, yeah, Brocks are usually good quarterbacks, right, uh, mm-hmm. Brock Purdy. Uh, And the thing that worries me is not that he's a good quarterback right now and he's trending, is that there's not a lot of film on him. So when you're trying to break him down and come up with a game plan, you don't really have a lot to go on. That is an advantage, as we all know, in the football world. And they're trending in the right direction. They worry me, honestly, more than West Virginia does. Mm -hmm. I I, I feel good about Texas versus West Virginia because I know Todd Orlando versus traditional pocket passing quarterbacks has has been really, really effective. What worries me is Tyler Lando versus a system and a quarterback that he hasn't seen
2: a lot of. Yeah. There, there's that too, Rob, but I, th- also, I also think the fact that when you look at a Texas-West Virginia matchup, I think now it's not like last year where you know you were wondering, gosh, how is Texas going to be able to score points if West Virginia does have one of those outbursts where they're scoring you know two or three touchdowns in a stretch of six minutes. Now you feel like, okay, Texas does enough well on offense that even if the defense hits one of those lows, your offense, it might not be able to pull ahead, but it can at least keep pace if you've got a stretch of that game where your defense isn't playing really, really well.
3: That's right, if we have
2: Sam Ellinger at which we're also talk about here, close to 100%, here in a which is not the case. Um, let's go ahead and actually go there with the Sam Ellinger injury. That's the biggest news coming off of the bye week. Everything I've heard, what Tom Herman said on Monday – look they've still got a couple of days of practice before the game I think Tuesday Wednesday it's interesting Rod Tom Herman said he's not worried about Sam Ellinger how much work he gets during the Tuesday and Wednesday practices which yeah as we all know are the big install days it really comes down to how's he feeling on Thursday Friday when you get ready to make that trip and Rod you've I know you've had shoulder issues in the, in the past yeah have you dealt with the grade one AC no all spray? myself was way more serious than that so it was, yeah, <laughs> not it was, a throwing yeah, injury
3: yeah, <laughs> shredded yeah myself was done Rod Damn. went Way past, yeah. way past grade one. Like or yeah. Your, 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 yeah, this like is something that people. is about pain management. And then one, after pain management, you get into uh, effectiveness. Like, that's why he talked about accuracy. Because if it's painful at some point, mm-hmm. is he going to wince just a little bit? you know what I mean, went through the throwing motion and yeah. then that throw-off, the accuracy of it. Right. And is that is that something that's going to persist or we're we gonna? it's going to get better? So that, that's how the shoulder injuries are. I played with shoulder injuries. They really are about, most of them are about pain management, but then can you be effective? Like, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I played with the, uh, the shoulder brace they used to put on. But, of course, when I'm trying to be a gunner, my rip move is not mm-hmm. as effective when I got the shoulder brace on because I don't have much power. I can't go, I can't go speed to power. That brace is just that. holding you, you know in, what I mean? trying well, yeah, to lock you in a little a bit. Yeah, it's just keeping the shoulder in place. But still, there is pain, all that kind of stuff. So that's what he's going to be dealing with. I, I think either way, the offense is going to change a little bit. And then that is the concern, how much— That should be the
2: expectation.
3: Because no matter what, even if Sam is ready to go, he's not 100%, how much are you going to expose him? And the whole point is we know the element of Sam Games that makes him unique is that power element that he can be a short-yardage ball carrier. Right. And my, not most quarterbacks are going to be able to do that.
2: He is your best short yardage goal line red zone runner right
3: now. Bam, bam, Sam is what you use to kind of move the chains in those short yardage situations. And you may you may not you may not only may only want to use him like red zone third and mm-hmm. one, fourth, and absolute one now. must you know must I mean? move the ball. Which I think take, which is going to take away some of his effectiveness. and I don't know. I'm sure they're going to tell him too. Hey, we don't want you to expose yourself as much and I wonder psychologically how does that affect him as a player. Because yeah.
2: going going back to what he said going into the Oklahoma game look he's he's a gunslinger at heart that's who he is that what unbridled is. style yeah. and as we've talked about on this show time and again credit the staff for taking that and harnessing it and channeling it into something positive where they said you know what Sam we don't want you running around like a crazy man with your hair on fire but we're going to let you handle the ball in these yeah. short yardage and goal line and red zone situations where you know the power stretch Rod short yardage that might be the best play this offense has right now in any situation.
3: Yep, it's brilliant. It's, because almost, it, it's almost like the old uh, uh, Vince Lombardi quote, like, yeah. hey, who, knew, who cares if they know what we're running? if we run it effectively and everybody executes, they can't stop it anyway. Because you know, Ellinger with Texas.
2: the ba- <laughs> Ellinger with the ball in that situation, yeah. it really becomes a tailback running the old Ricky Williams stretch play. Plus and, one. and can you read it? Mm-hmm. Can you read the block? Can you make the right cut? And going back to the Oklahoma game, Sam Ellinger did that. Plus, yes, as you said, and that's, I think, the big thing that Texas has to adjust to depending on, look, if Sam Ellinger, is he going to be 100% no, but if he's 80, 85, I don't know what percentage he's going to be on Saturday. Um, maybe you lessen the the, um, less than the number of hits he takes yeah. by maybe utilizing something else in those situations, and that to me is going to be one of the big yeah, keys, not know, just in this game moving forward. It's, is it little Jordan Humphrey in the Wildcat? Is, is it going back to Danny Young? Is it just simply more carries for Keontae Ingram? Yeah. I don't know what it is, but that's something the staff's going to have to figure out no, going forward. Until, yeah, of until money. Sam Ellinger's back to the point, and, and Rod, as you pointed out, maybe he doesn't get back to that point this season, depending on how things play, Man. so I, I just think you've got to minimize the amount of content. Look, with an injury to your throwing shoulder, you're going to be exposed at all times. It's just the nature of the beast. But mm. if the staff can have things in place to kind of, again, minimize the amount of hits okay. he's going to take, then you're going to be for the better.
4: And then just going to come down to just how much diminished skill, if there is some, because with the shoulder, you know, I mean, if we're talking about what he would be, be at 80%, it sounds almost like a Buschel. If you take away some of the, the running ability and some of the strength in his arm, he's still going to be running the same type of offense. So it's good to know that if Sam isn't effective, you have somebody that can come in and be a good supplementary player. But with the AC, when you just look at that, it's a surgery my dad had on his shoulder when I was a kid. And it was one that, like Jeff said, like you had to have your injury over over. over time and then this seems like a perfect case for off-season surgery, whenever it's finally say, if you mm. go and re-injure and re-injure, yeah. but hopefully, take. I mean, who knows? The bye week couldn't have came at a better time. Maybe Sam's actually able to recover because if you're talking about a sprain, sprains are hard to recover from unless it's 100 percent recovered. Because if you're going out there more trauma or more yeah, inflammation just, by throwing, it'll why. be a pain threshold, exactly. and then that means you have the five, six weeks and see how he looks in these games. Mm. And I got a feeling, and it's probably he'll be. He's pretty tough. Probably go through that and then maybe have to get it fixed in Well, the what that means is, if you're looking at what you
3: just kind of projected, that means less practice time and more rest yes. throughout the week. Yes. And you just kind of trust that he now has ownership of the offense. Right. He knows it. He understands the playbook. And everything from then is kind of mental reps. And I, I kind of think that's the best approach, especially at this point, because now I can get Shane Michelle, all those first-team reps, that I need in practice Very in anticipation much. of him Great having point. a comfort zone when he's got to go out there. I, Even camera rising.
4: getting a Yeah,
3: yes. camera rising too. And we've talked about it on the show. That backup quarterback, it's already happened, of course, that he's got had he has had to go win one game for you this year, and that was the Baylor game. I think it's gonna happen again. It's I'm elevating saying, it's the like baseline
4: has, of your backup quarterbacks. Yeah, it's yeah, actually I mean, sort of helpful it, in that situation yeah. if you know it's Sam. happened the
3: last it's happened six of the last seven years here on the 40 acres it just makes sense it's going to happen again. Last year, what, eight out of the 10 teams in the Big 12 need their backup quarterback to go win games for them. It's just going to happen. It's just, I mean, and it happened already. I think Texas is going to need Shane to go in there again because Sam, I'm not saying he can't control himself, but he's going to see a situation where he can go get a first down or something and he's going go oh, yeah. to go all in. And Tom and it doesn't take that. a lot. It just takes a little nip at the
2: right spot, the sweet mm-hmm. spot. Like I said, I mean, he might be show. 80% going into this game, but all it's going to take is one hit for that he yeah, to go back to square one. Yeah. Rod, so let me ask you this, and we'll get back to talking about the Big 12 big picture here in a sec. But when what you- this is it. When you look at this injury, though, and how Tom Herman has been managing games, and again, I'll say for the record, I don't disagree with how he's managed games. He wants the offense to be a part of this, but they want to play off their defense, and based on what the defense is doing, they'll adjust their plan on offense accordingly and then sprinkle in a couple of good things in the kicking game, whether it's a a punt return or a block kick or whatever. You're getting enough out of your kicking game. At least the kicking game isn't hurting you. But, Rod, does this change Tom Herman's line of thinking where, look, I don't want Sam being exposed more than he has to be. Do you now, if you're Tom Herman, maybe call it a little more aggressively to get a bigger lead to say, you know what, we're up by three touchdowns at this point in the game, let's go ahead and get Shane Buschel because we feel like he can at least get us to the end of the game. Um, do you do something like that? Does well, it, Drastically, does it change that if you're, well, if you're Tom Herman?
3: It's, it's, it, you don't have to really do a ton. I mean, think about it. If Sam Mellinger starts. Let's say Sam at – he believes Sam at 75%, 80% is better than 100% Buchel. Yeah, he's got, sorry. But you want to minimize the risk, minimize the exposure. How about uh, the screen game for the wide receivers? We just got to up that. All right, let's up that 10%. That means the mm-hmm. bubble screens, the tunnel screens, the smoke screens, where you just kind of throw it out there real quick. The extension are, of your run game. Right, plays. all right, so yeah. that's quick, fast, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. We know now that uh, Colin Johnson's been really good after the catch. Right, Just getting the ball in his hands with the inside slants, uh, those really quick hitch routes. Let's do more of that. Get the ball out of his hands quickly. That way, we don't have to worry about him getting hit. All right, Offensive line can hold him up really quick, get the ball out of his hands. The, the extension of the running game, I think that goes up a notch. And I'm with you. The little Jordan Humphrey, the Daniel Young, Keontae Ingram, all those guys, they up 10% of their carries. I mean, it really ain't rocket science. Like, it's right. pretty simple. You just kind of do it in a money – you kind of money ball it. And then from then on, you go, all right, we really need – we're in the red zone. We're on the three-yard line. It's it's you know it's third down. We need Sam to go ahead and run that stretch run. Let's, let's do it. We got to do it. We need mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Like, that's – to me, that's how you do it. And, like I said, in practice, you save, you save Sam pretty much. Like, Sam just rests in practice. That's it. Yeah, he easily. rests. And then Shane takes all the first-team reps, and we go – and I trust that Sam – is kind of can be enough of a gamer can go out there Take the mental reps in practice, and when he's, he's fresher, he's going to be a better player. I mean, that's how you have to approach it at this point.
4: Yeah, and I think that back way you disperse that quarterback situation in practice yeah. is so key for the future, too, because I mean, how exactly. much? Sam's not going to get much better practicing against his guys. Now, seeing, like you said, game plan type stuff yeah. against your opponent, he's there visualizing in right there next to the quarterback, so you aren't lo- missing out on that. Now, you're just getting Cam Rising 25% of snaps he wouldn't have got and getting 50% more from Shane instead of him getting this. 25 he's getting 75 now so that's just good to elevate that and then it can only expedite their development
3: that offensive approach also works for shane right so you're upping the 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 screen game with the wide receivers he's really good at the quick passes the high percentage passes he's really great right and then you up the keontae Ingram uh rushes you up little jordan humphrey in the wildcat rushes and then you up daniel young in the short yards rushes all that works with also shane being the guy that's running the show Mm -hmm. so i i think it's pretty simple what they do and we know that now, offensively, we've seen the things, the scheme, the things that work for this this team, and a big part of it starts with Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson. You can still continue that with Shane Bouchelle. You just need more reps to figure out what concepts are more conducive to work with his skill set. Yeah,
2: and and I'll go back to something Tom Herman mentioned Monday, and I this is what I think he was trying to say, and and it kind of goes into what we're talking about. The offense doesn't change in terms of. Philosophy doesn't change drastically yes. going from Sam Ellinger to Shane Bouchel, but there are clearly things yeah. Shane does better than Sam, and there are clearly things Sam does better than Shane. It's yep. just you have to identify those things that Shane does better than Sam and make sure you've got those things ready to go if you game need to go hand. with him.
4: Yeah. Exactly. Basically, basically, said we aren't going to have a Brock Osweiler at quarterback.
3: Yeah. And <laughs> you know, you're not like, changing everything from no. the philosophy-wise, but when they run the zone read now with Shane, trust me that DN is basically like he's licking his chop. I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, he's That's just you don't have you to, to get worry him about, on the heels for you know, a concept
4: to work. Yeah, like, really he, a threat? he's
3: collapsing down, and mm-hmm. then he's not worried about, you know, the— uh, uh, Shane, when Shane does keep it, he sure he can go track him down. Like, it just or somebody
2: can. He's not going to rip off 20 yards on you. Yeah, him.
3: it just changes the dynamic, the in, explosiveness of the in offense. In that
4: situation, though, it's big because it still occupies the mind of the defender, which is part of the objective on the front end, which exactly. is why you don't divert away from yeah. it. And then they can pin their ears back or you become even more predictable if you do it sort of do, uh, operate the team totally differently as if Sam was in there.
2: So, Rod, when we start looking at uh, you know the big picture in terms of where Texas sits and We know, as we said, they're in sole possession of first place in the Big 12. They control control their own destiny destiny, at this point. But when you start looking beyond that at the football weekend and what that brought to the table, you look at Ohio State's loss to Purdue. And now you start looking at, okay, if you're looking at the playoff, if – Things kind of hold to form. Let's say Texas gets to the end. They beat Oklahoma in a rematch, and you've got Texas sitting there 12-1 and as the Big 12 champion against the Big 10 champion. And let's assume it's a, it's a one-loss Michigan, Michigan or it's a one-loss Ohio State. Um, now you're comparing... You know you're comparing schedules and you're comparing resumes you're comparing resumes and you would say, well, Texas, yeah, they lost to Maryland, who finished. How's Maryland you know, doing the Big Ten? It's you know, gonna be big, fourth or fifth in their division in the Big Ten. But then, but do you say, well, yeah, but that was their first game of the season. They won 12 in a row since then, and they beat Oklahoma twice. The point is now with the Ohio State loss, the Big 12 is right back in the conversation in terms of being in the playoff. Because I think we can all agree at this point, the Pac 12 is done.
4: Well, you still have seven yeah. weeks, so I would say probably done. It's just the concept that right now there's so much football to be had, it's really pointless mm. to look at who's beat who now. But it's going in Texas' favor when all these top teams keep losing, so that's yeah. only good.
3: I will say, it goes in Texas' favor. I think that's the conversation that's being had because you can't you're not going to be able to deny Texas in, like, into the conversation. If they beat Oklahoma again and run in a the Big table. 12 title game and run the table, in the 12 and roll, they're the they're hottest in. team in America. Yeah. Other than Alabama, who's just the most yeah. dominant team in America. So yeah. I don't think that's hot. That's just domination. Mm-hmm. But other than Alabama, you could argue they would be the, most, the hottest team in America. I don't know how Clemson's going to finish up the season. You know, in terms of
4: just like. ACC.
3: Yeah, exactly. Miami Angry. So uh, we'll see. But I I think right now, the fact that we're having this conversation is a Yeah, there you go. That's a huge leap forward. It's unbelievable. It kind of goes back to what you were saying, Jeff, at the beginning of the show. Like, that's what Texas fans should enjoy, even having this conversation. You know what I mean? Like, that's a first-world problem.
2: Yeah. All right, it's time for our first break on the show, but when we come back, we'll keep talking about Sam Ellinger, his shoulder injury, and what the future looks like for the Texas offense. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24 Welcome
0: back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24 once again, Jeff Howe.
2: Getting back to Texas and the Big 12, guys, let's go ahead and talk about it this weekend. Texas going to Stillwater to face Oklahoma State. Yeah, let's talk Picking about Stadium. this Oklahoma State thing, man. Uh, Oklahoma State, I do like what they're doing this weekend, though. They're honoring the 30th anniversary of Barry Sanders. Oh, those Heisman. Jerseys, they're right. going the, with The nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, going with the 1988 yeah. throwbacks. I like those hot orange. Uh, yeah. Uh, very, yeah. Very, very yeah, clean.
4: Yeah.
2: No, oh, you're right. That's like yeah, Gundy time. That's I forget. Gundy
4: in the same yeah. backfield as Sturman Thomas and Barry Sanders. No
2: word on if they're gonna you go with the uh, white Nike high tops that Mike Gundy and Barry Sanders rolled with that back in the sweet.
4: Day. But, eh, that would that be, would be that so nothing would be more good '80s look. than that.
2: But Rod, this is uh, this is not the Oklahoma State program that we've come to know over the years. Gundy uh, should
4: get those cleats that he wore and wear oh, those. Be It'd be awesome if Gundy wore them on the sideline with the same mullet he had in college too.
2: They're they're still putting up they're still putting up yards they're still putting up points. But you look at their last few games. That they've played in the Big 12. And, and there are some disturbing trends emerging. Specifically, they're getting mashed at the line of scrimmage mm. by Texas Tech. Texas Tech ran for 224. Texas Tech won the rushing battle. And then, when's the last time you said this about a Texas Tech team? Texas Tech won the rushing battle 224 to 128 over yeah. Oklahoma State in their game. And then K State goes for 291 almost two weeks ago in Manhattan.
3: Yeah. Was Jet Duffy the quarterback for Tech? In that
2: game? No, it was Alan Bowman. Alan Bowman's back? Yeah. Okay. There you go. That was that, boo. That, that was, is that now, yeah. that.
3: now, to me, this that stat is even more telling because Jed Duffy, it was. That
2: might have been me. the game
3: Bowman got hurt. I now don't Bowman know. Now, Bowman
4: against Okie State went 34 5 of 46 for 397.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So that that's more telling because it was. Two
4: picks, three sacks. It
3: was without their kind, of their dual threat quarterback, at that for yeah.
4: Yep. Ta- Taylor Cornelius was eighteen to thirty-nine for Okie State, yeah. and
2: that's really you know, you, Matt, you mentioned that's Taylor a good Cornelius. Good sign if
4: Shane Boucher ends up starting. I'll just say that
2: you mentioned Taylor Cornelius, and that's kind of where I want to start the Oklahoma State conversation because Rod, the the thing that you notice about Oklahoma State when you watch them, they're not. You know, dominant at the point of attack, like we've seen them be, specifically on the offensive line. And some of the stuff you're hearing from North of the Red River is now that they've had. You know, really a lot of time removed from him being in the program. Now you're starting to hear, gosh, they really miss Joe Wickline Wickline. in terms of his ability to identify guys for that program. He understood what Mike Gundy wanted and how to fit the pieces in the offense. And let's face it, I don't think Joe Wickline was a really good fit for a program like Texas. But I think he – and I don't even think he was a great fit when he was at Florida. But I think at places like Oklahoma State and West Virginia where you can recruit – kind of gritty, grimy guys under the radar guys that have a chip on their shoulder and he can really mold them into what he wants. I think that's where Joe Wickline's a good fit. And I think you're seeing that at West Virginia right now. Yeah. We saw that for a long time at Oklahoma State. Not, at, the not at, the blood,
4: right. at a blue blood basically. Right. Put him at a blue blood. He's coach buzz cut. He'll get yeah. in some trouble.
2: And and where the, where they're missing is Taylor Cornelius isn't good to overcome their deficiencies up front and and likewise up front they're not good enough to give Taylor Cornelius time to really get into this offense and, and do the things we've seen Oklahoma State quarterbacks do. So I really think when you look at Oklahoma State's offense, Rod, it starts up. they're not as good as they've been at quarterback, as good as they've been up front. And to that point, teams are now able to make them one-dimensional and say, you know what, we're going to focus on stopping Justice Hill. If Taylor Cornelius can beat us throwing the football, then go have at it and see what you can do. But Justice Hill's not going to beat us.
3: Yeah, that was the uh, the beauty of a Mike Gundy offense for years, right? They always had a great tight end that would help them have bring balance mm-hmm. to that offense and they have great running back. And then there would be a beast outside, whether you're talking about Blackman or Des, Des Bryant Bryan or Sean Woods going back to my day. And I know that was before Gundy, but they seem to always have kind of have that mold. James in Washington,
2: it. recently, yeah, and that
3: balance and, and, that and Pettigrew at tight end, yeah, yeah. They and just, then Blake that, Jarwin, yeah. yeah everybody remembers those guys, right? Because uh-huh. because for Billy Badgerman at one time, they Les Mons, always yeah. had those guys. And now, yeah, you're right. I mean, now they don't really have that. Kind of, they actually do have that. Those that beast on the outside, but they don't have the balance on offense. And if you can make them one dimensional. Taylor Cornelius is not good enough to go beat teams, period. He's just not that good. No. And, and then on the offensive line, he can't – he doesn't have enough time to beat you either. And I think that's where Texas is going to win this game versus Oklahoma State. It's going to be Charles Amenehu and that D-line, that defensive front. Yeah. Getting to him early and often.
2: You know, Oklahoma State's defensive line, they're generating pass rush. They're generating splash plays they in are. the backfield. That, they're that they're among the best in good. the country in terms yeah. of sacks and tackles for loss. But yeah. then – I mean, you start looking up, and you're seeing K State goes for 291. That was a that was a K State offense that we saw against Texas. Man, they really they had to squeeze the orange out of all the juice it could to get every single yard they got in that game and Alex Barnes was running through them like crap through a goose man just boom up the gut all yeah. day long.
4: That's what it's was done. so surprising about Texas against Kansas State we were like that isn't the team we recognize that's not a Snyder team it's like they're back to Snydering and beating Oklahoma State the way they did but that was just bizarre Snydering. they just did not play very well against Texas.
2: But Rod when I start looking at this game you know we, we just talked about personnel and we can talk about schemes and all that but to me the, the things that concern me have nothing to do with the personnel on the field. The things that concern me are kind of those outside factors. The fact that it's a night game. The fact that Oklahoma State coming off a of bye week and it's not just that they're playing Texas I think they look and see a name opponent that's ranked 6th in the country and say you know what if we win this game this could be the thing that turns our season around so I think like with Baylor and I'm not just saying this is Texas getting everybody's best shot I think this is a team looking at playing the number 6 team in the country saying you know what man if we if we empty the cup if we win this game this can completely turn everything around likewise I think this is one that if Oklahoma State loses it I think like Baylor at the end you'll see a lot of disappointed faces that, man, we emptied the cup and we gave it everything we had and we came up short. So I think this is going to be kind of Oklahoma State's last stand, so to say. This is their last chance, really, to kind of make Boy. something of their season and get things going in the right direction.
3: Well, Texas only, what, three-point favorite in the game, I believe? Yep, I, went up to three. Did
2: it go
4: up Hit. to three? Okay. went up to three? Yep, Hit. and that's, I guess, uh, whenever people were speculating about Sammy. I, I see it here at one and a half on the 21st at 530. Yeah. Then it yeah. hopped to two and so, a half real quick and then – Back to three, back to two and a half, and now back at three.
3: So what does that tell you? Vegas thinks about the Longhorns. That well, right Long, now, now is that they just play their competition, and that's. I think we're beyond that. It's not. It's not just play their competition thing. Is that, and it kind of goes to what you've always said. The offense is not meant to blow people out. They play kind of this um, complementary style to their
2: yeah, defense. Yeah,
3: there's a very kind of symbiotic nature to how they want to win games, and they're not really meant to just kind of beat the hell out of teams and blow them out. That is not what Longhorn fans are used to. That's a big part of why the narrative is different mm-hmm. about this team. Why there may be more complaining about a team that's five and two through the midway season of the point than any team that we've seen. A lot of other things too, but I think that this this group is. They're not going to win that way. They almost win in like a K-State fashion. They're, they're, they're anti-Big 12 mm-hmm. in the way they win games. Like it's Yeah, it's counter. It goes against Running. the grain of the Big 12. And I think that is why Longhorn fans, they're uneasy about it. That's why yes. there's an, there's it doesn't look, good, it doesn't look good, but betters like it. It's ugly, but it, it's effective. It's really effective. I think Tom Herman knows what he has. Like If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with, mm-hmm. he's figured out how to make the re- this relationship work with the one that he's with. On and his way to getting on to the the way to get loves. to where he wants to be, you know. what I mean, so I think that's what it's about. That's why all the games going to be close. Mm-hmm. It ain't just playing your competition. No, it's almost not. like this team isn't built to blow anybody out, even if they play with Al they play with any team, like yeah. even like that's why the Baylor's the Baylor win looks just like the win over you know Oklahoma or. TCU, you know, what I mean, it's it's str- hell. TCU win looks like the best win. Yeah, like they, blew the, they beat the hell out of TCU. The you know volatility know I mean? <laughs> in football
4: nowadays, too, just in you're in the best offensive conference, so it isn't exactly what football minds and even betting minds for so long have valued these few points and half points. And the volatility, just like basketball, is higher than it's ever been in football. So you can get more skewed production, which is why Herman is talking about those few strengths. If you you have your defense, have your run ground control. You can then dictate the tempo in those situations that you can, if you need to, slow it down and yep. keep it away from them. And in certain spots, say, when if you have a backup quarterback, you're going to need to do those type of things. But it also can give you a reason to be aggressive on defense and a reason why you can have a close game against USC turn into a blowout late only because of aggressiveness with the lead or a game like Oklahoma where you're like, how the hell are you get up by 21? But then you see what can happen in the Big 12 like that and the game can evaporate on you real quickly. So you just look at these settings and these situations, and it's why it looks good for Texas in this situation whenever the line's hopping up because three's big. If you see under three in betting, that means that they're trying to get that team to get the points and entice people just enough to take that dog, but the other team's going to win. Once you get over three, that extra three and a mm. half, we hit that markation of football where you get to four to seven, and winning by four to seven is so much bigger. If Texas can get to that number, then you're going to feel good. It's good that it's in that way but right now in the Big 12 anything less than a score man that can be 20 seconds you know I mean it comes exactly. down to that at the very end okay. so you got to limit those possessions which is what Herman's doing.
2: Rod I'm glad you brought up margin of victory in the games where Texas has had you know a margin of victory that I think makes Texas fans feel good and the two games you can look at and say that were USC and TCU, TCU. But what was the factor in those two games? Non offensive. Turnovers touchdowns? and non offensive touchdowns. Yeah. TCU turns the ball over four times. You essentially got a non offensive touchdown in the K- TCU game with the Caden Kaden Stearns turn, interception. With your defense. stepped out at the yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Texas scores one play later. Exactly. And then you had the blocked field goal return against USC. And what have we said about also Tom Herman's Caden's, teams? Also <laughs> what have yeah. we said about Tom Herman's teams going back to his time at Houston? Mm-hmm. When they're blowing people out, it's either the competition is way inferior. You're playing a Texas Southern or a Texas State that yep. doesn't even belong on. On the field with you, or you're getting a, you're getting turnovers. You're yeah. either getting non-offensive touchdowns, or yeah. you're setting your offense up on a lot of short fields. And when you start to look at this game, that's another thing from Oklahoma State that we haven't seen. When they've been really good, the turnover margin's been in their favor yeah, a back lot. Bill Young days, and you look mm. at them now, Rod. Through seven games, they're minus three in turnover margin. Yeah, which is the, kind of the key to winning the Big Twelve. Right, yeah, as, yeah. as we've discussed, in Texas during this six-game winning streak, they're plus eight. Yeah. All right, break time on the show, but when we come back, we'll keep talking more Texas football, so do not go anywhere. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com.
0: Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe.
2: Uh, let's go ahead and get to some predictions. As Texas and Oklahoma State on Saturday under the lights at Boone Picking Stadium in Stillwater, seven o'clock start on ABC. And I know we didn't talk a lot about Oklahoma State's personnel. You know, we probably should have devoted more time to. Oh, that's easy. To Tylen Wallace, it's Tylen Wallace and Justice Hill. Yeah, I'll That's throw free. Tyron Johnson in there. As, as you can the throw him in there, see.
3: but it's Tyron Wallace. I mean, yeah, Tyron Johnson 20 years. So, Rod, before we get into yeah. predictions,
2: let me ask you this real quick, though, on the defense because we didn't spend a lot of time. I'm assuming Texas will play a lot of dime. Yeah. have a similar plan to what they did last year Played, take away the vertical stuff keep everything in front of you and trust that your front's better than their front when it comes to stop of the run I think the X factor in this game and I know I talk about him every week so maybe he's not an X factor anymore the ability of B.J. Foster to not just play in the box but as a blitzer you're getting basically the same thing you had with Jason Hall last year when he took over that Joker position you're just getting an upgrade in terms of the level of athlete you've got at that position now and the versatility you've got yeah. at that position with B.J. Foster so I think the dime package as we said you're getting into the, the stretch now, a Big Twelve play where that's going to be your base defense, and unless you can substitute situationally for short yardage and, and red zone and things like that, the dime is going to be what they do.
3: Tylen Wallace, uh, what's it? Tyron, Tyron Johnson, Tyron Johnson. Yeah, they're going to go deep early and often. Uh, Matt was just talking about it before the podcast. It. I think uh, Tyler Wallace is averaging 18 yards a catch. Mm-hmm. Tyron Johnson
2: averaging what, 20 yards Wallace a catch? Wallace yep. nine, 17-9, Johnson 19.
3: Yeah, just... I mean, th- those guys are going to, they, they, they want to get vertical downfield, so my concern is Devontae Davis and Chris Boyd. Chris Boyd and Caden Stearns both named to the Thorpe Award semifinalists, so congratulations to those right guys. Right there with you, Rodby. I don't know why Brandon Jones wasn't listed. That's actually a slap in the face. Cause, uh, because you, of
4: his teammates? I yeah, guess. I don't
3: know. I guess they didn't want to have three guys on the semifinals list. That wouldn't uh, be, be kosher, but my point is, they're going to test those corners. So Chris Boyd, he can make himself some money this week. Or he can lose some money this week. I assume he'll get mashed up on Tylen Wallace at some point. If they get Wallace on uh, uh, Wallace or Johnson on Davis, I think they, they'll probably have a check. Kind of a built-in, baked-in check that they want to go deep. If they can figure out if they're in man coverage. The, uh, so Caden Stearns and Brandon Jones over the top going to be big in this game.
2: The, the question I was going to ask you seemed like 12 minutes ago when I was thinking about it. The, the issues with the defense we talked about, which really it's three areas teams are attacking now that we've seen, it's Devontae Davis on the outside, yep. it's P.J. Locke down the seam, and yep. it's Anthony Wheeler in the middle. How much does that concern you this week? Uh,
3: I'm sure they'll move those wide receivers around, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Tyron Wallace in the slot mm-hmm. or you know Tyron Johnson in the slot just to try to uh, try to exploit P.J. Locke. And in the running game, I'm sure they'll figure out some way to get you know Justice Hill uh, on the edges or to try to get him in a one on one with Anthony Wheeler somehow. Yeah, <laughs> <As laughs> to me, those are the three places where you're attacked. As a D
2: coordinator though, what can you do to mask the deficiencies you've got there? And again, we're not saying oh, those guys bring, are bad players, but that's clearly no, yeah. the, the quote the unquote weak spots of this team. Yeah, you
3: can run. obviously shift the D line. You can uh you can bring guys up into the box. I mean, there's several things. I think Todd Orlando under- if we if we see it, Todd Orlando sees it. Right. it. It's not it's not a mystery to him. Mm-hmm. So Todd Orlando, I think even that dime, he'll have guys in a box why BJ Foster I agree with you is gonna be Big. He basically works as an extra linebacker. I think another big part of it will be, like I said, the safeties over the top for P.J. Lock, for Devontae Davis. They're going to go deep, man. They're going to just take their shots because they can even get a P.I. that Texas has been susceptible to t- as well this year. So I think that Caden Stearns is a natural kind of ball hawk. Um, him over the top, I think he can actually pick off the quarterback a couple of times. He's done it. We've seen it uh, already a couple of yeah, times this he'll, year.
4: He'll probably do it again. And the main thing is yeah, uh, just I mean, Gundy being the type of guy, like, understanding what he's up against and understanding, say, the deficiencies right. of a new way to use it, double moves or different route yep. concepts that these guys, when you layer your offense oh, to a double side. double move and, is common. Yes, all day long. It's and, coming. They're going to be double oh, moving man. on both sides. They're going to double move on both sides. Triple move. <laughs> they like, no, <laughs> they
3: want triple move. Make yeah. it a triple move. Move. It, yeah.
4: it like stuttered four more yeah. feet down if they field. can get the time to do it. But when you look at Texas and uh, the way that Orlando's just been getting pressure, the DB havoc rates fifth in the nation now for Texas, which is insane. Yeah. That they're better than they were last year when we were wondering if they could be what they were last year, and right now looking that good. So one thing when if you're talking about like say you're attacking one way to protect their they or uh, Devonte Davis, is you bring the blitz from the other side because you always try to throw into the blitz side and to be able to get the numbers when a quarterback identifies that so if you want to protect a guy like him you bring blitz opposite him so then it may lure the defense to the strength of your defense so just with his havoc rate it's something that is insane and it's that consistent which is awesome and the next best thing is looking at Oklahoma State and the offensive line just across the board sack rate on passing downs overall sack rate they're in the bottom part of the country it's 104th in passing down sack rate, 93rd in overall passing sack rate and then even on running sack rate, 71st. So they're in the bottom half to say bottom 20 to 30 across the board in giving up sacks. The one thing is is they're great at throwing the ball. They're 15th in overall passing and passing downs in explosivity. So it's just exactly the Ohio State or Oklahoma State that you it's, remember It's playing. boom
3: or bust yep. in the passing game for them. Mm-hmm.
2: Rod, you, you said it yeah, though. Chris, Chris Boyd can make him some money. He can lose him some money this mm-hmm. week this is another game where Charles Mennuh in Prime Time go make you some Ooh, more money. Go make man. some bridge,
3: young man. Yeah, I agree with that. Charles Mennuh could get two sacks in this game. He can make some money. He man.
4: already's been he, every he's game. He's making now. money. He's making money. Yeah, that K State sequence made him a ton of money. <laughs> no, I think it, he'll get double just. <laughs> open said. field tackle, we bear clawed down Kyler Murray, in and one we play. didn't we didn't give him enough
2: credit for the end of the Baylor game. You go watch the end of that last drive yeah, in the Baylor game. He's where on he, Charlie. Burl. He had I think the last three plays he was credited with he's the pressure. Hunting.
3: Yeah, I got to go look at his, uh, look at his quarterback hits and quarterback pressures. I think Texas keeps up with one of them but not the other. Pressures they at,
2: do, hits they do not. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
4: So I'll keep, I I got to go look at that.
2: And you got a you know, places like Pro Football Focus and places like that that'll they'll define those yeah. ways differently. I mean, they'll the Football. Focus oh, minute who
4: awesome. 11 yeah. run stuffs right now leads the team by far, which is I mean Gary Johnson has seven and a half run stuffs and that's, that's why he's that.
3: making money. He's a pass rusher and he's improved his running. uh
4: Texas uh, is getting all-American
2: level play from a defensive end. It's just not the one going into the year everybody thought it was going to be. Great point. So, not the profit. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: Which it's is great. It's great. No, it's good. It's awesome. Not, yeah. the, not the guy everybody thought was good. All right, it's time to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven, and we will do that on the other side with predictions for Texas and Oklahoma State on this edition of Longhorn Blitz
1: with Horns, 247.com. Now Avant will also give you a $50 Amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and to get this special radio offer, go to Avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying. That's A-V-A-N-T dot promo code 4646. Avant.com code 4646. Credit products are made by WebBank. Rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Other restrictions apply. See website for details. How did I get into credit card debt? A trip to the emergency room. Car repairs. Moving expenses? amazon.com gift card after your first payment is made on time to check your loan options and to get this special radio offer go to avant.com today and enter promo code 4646 when applying that's avant.com promo code 4646 avant.com code 4646 we see it every day they cut you off and they tick you off it's called road rage but they're not mad at you they're mad they overpaid on a used car because they didn't go to Carfax.com. Carfax has a better way. When you search used cars at Carfax.com, you get the most accurate price based on the Carfax report, so you never have to overpay on a used car again. Start your used car search today at Carfax.com. I can't believe it. That we're playing four-and-four basketball with a barbershop quartet? (laughs) Pass the ball, pass the rock. Open, just the ball. The ball. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Are you putting your retirement savings in a 401k, IRA, or investment account? Then I have one word of advice. Stop. take back control of your money and finances, and it gives you penalty-free access to your savings. Plus, it beats the pants off any 401k or IRA. These are uncertain times, so get the information you need today to guarantee your retirement security. To get this free report, go to bankonyourself.com right now. That's bankonyourself.com. Bankonyourself.com.
0: This here is the story of Lawrence, who always wanted to play pro football. His parents supported his love of the game, sent him to special camps, and then in college, pro scouts came to a bunch of games where Lawrence was playing the trumpet at halftime. Yeah, Lawrence was never that good at football, gave up by the time he got to college. But he also learned how Geico could save him a lot of money on car insurance, so he switched and saved. So, this here story has a happy ending after all. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. All right, let's get some Oklahoma
2: State predictions. Matt, let's start with you. What are you thinking about this one?
4: Oh, man, I've been back and forth about the results because I, at the beginning of the year, said Texas was going to lose one of those games between you know Manhattan or Stillwater or you're going to go to Lubbock. But this one, just the way that Oklahoma State's team is set up and them ha- sort of having deficiencies where Texas can attack, I'm liking Texas. I, I really think it's going to be closer than Texas fans would enjoy any of it. Right now I'm going to check the over-under and see if – if it's moved, but nope, it's stayed right at about 60. It's where Texas's all their games have been. So it's not as if both teams' totals are going up or down in a clear indication. So I think it's going to come down to the end. Texas barely covers
2: 27-23. Okay, mm. so somewhat of a low-scoring
4: game. be yeah. what say you?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't know what's going to happen at the quarterback position. Either way, I think the, uh, the offense is going to change a little bit. I'll go with Texas to win. I think Texas is a much better team. I think the D-line is going to win it for him. I think Texas is having the best safety duo uh, combination probably in the country. Uh, one of them, uh, maybe behind Alabama, is probably going to win it for him because uh, I think it'll help over the top with those uh, receivers that want to get vertical. So I'll go Texas 31 to, uh
2: Twenty seven. I, I think Oklahoma State's going to score some points in this game because, again, I, yeah. and I don't think it's anything relative to what we talked about in terms of personnel. I just think this is a game where they've had an extra week to get ready for it. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to empty the tank. This is their last shot to turn their season around, similar to Baylor. Um, but I think at the end of the day, Texas is a better team. I do think we'll see Sam Ellinger a lot. I think he'll start. Is he going to be 100%? I don't know. But everything I've heard, unless there's a setback between now and then, He's going to be the guy, and I'll trust this offensive staff enough. They've gained my trust, Rod, to where I think to alleviate some of the pressure off of Sam Ellinger, they can cobble enough together. I don't like picking against a spread or over-unders or anything like that because we've shown Texas is not the team to do that with. Not that team. I'll take Texas
4: to win 35-30. We still got them covering. Yep, got them covering and going over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. We split it right down the middle. Yeah. Well, actually, we all took Texas to cover we all take Texas. And stuff. the public right now, 69% on Texas, 31 on Okie State. So not in glaring issues, but if you get in that 80-20 territory, you never want to be on the 80s. So we
3: don't have uh, Oklahoma State scoring three to four touchdowns, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
4: and I'll say this. I think if
2: Texas loses this game, it's not going to be personnel or anything like that. It's going to be there's some schematic flaw with the defense, the Texas defense, that Mike Gundy just exploits time and again and Texas can't stop it, or – something really wrong happens on offense where something happens to Sam and then you were unable to compensate and keep pace with Oklahoma
3: State. I think it's the, something that happened to Sam or Sam's not the same.
2: It's, it's like, going
4: to be something if, 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 if Texas.
2: Loses. Something, something schematically that after the game we say that was a hell of a job by Mike Gundy and that Oklahoma State staff to do that.
4: If Texas doesn't get the non-offensive score and they do, you're screwed you're going to lose. Mm, that's a good one too. But I don't think
2: this won't be some kind of mental. Oh, Texas wasn't ready. They were overlooking Oklahoma State. (laughs) That stuff doesn't This is a mature football team. It won't be anything like that. It'll be injury or, like I said, some schematic schematic edge Oklahoma State had or something of that nature. I agree with that. All right, we'll see what happens this weekend in Stillwater, and we'll see what happens this weekend, too, with West Virginia. If West Virginia gets a W, Against Baylor on Thursday night. It could be prime time. That mm. could be the game of the week in college football coming well, up at TKR. No, Well, no,
3: because they'll be LSU-Bama. Yeah. Well,
4: that's this
2: weekend, though. Is okay.
4: this weekend? Yeah. Well, right now oh, okay. we got the prime time this oh, yeah. week. It's oh, ABC okay. prime time. Yeah. It's their national slot. That's big time. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> Texas I'm- hasn't been there in forever.
2: I'm talking. Well, no, actually, LSU, LSU Bama is. Uh, yeah, it's the West Virginia 3rd. weekend, right? This the West Virginia. Yeah, weekend. that's
3: what I'm saying. Like, we won't get that weekend because LSU, Bama. Like, I, 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 I think I had a take on that like three weeks ago. We had to win. It all had to work out a certain way for us to get game day
2: to come to that Texas. Well, game. hell, it'll still be awesome anyway. It will be a great game as long it'll as the as long as yeah. Longhorns hold up their end of the deal this weekend. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod, we appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019 on AM Twelve Sixty streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com where you can hear Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Thanks to Matt, you get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts, and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.